Alright guys, what's up? This is Matt from the Human Animal Podcast where we discuss fitness, training, and nutrition in the modern age. I'm here with two good friends today, Jake Geary, my co-host, cohort uh, in arms. I feel like we're getting even better at these intros every week. We really are. It's it's improving. Um, We have a special guest today on the line. Actually, not on the line, but sitting next to us, yeah. in between us. <laughs> it's really a three-man weave we've got going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, Nathan Miller. Work. Nathan yeah. Miller, fellow strength and conditioning coach, mindfulness practitioner. Uh, we're really excited to have Nate on the show today. We're going to be covering all things mindfulness, uh, a topic that we believe is super important to your overall health um, and can really open up some doors in some surprising ways for you. Uh, as you venture into this practice. So let's get started. Nathan, why don't you uh, give us a little bit more of your background, kind of how you got involved in strength and conditioning and about your mindfulness practice. I think we'd like to hear more about that. All right. Well, uh, as far as strength and conditioning goes, um, I've been working at uh, Force Fitness and Performance here in Bloomington for uh, about two years. I interned and got hired on. Um, I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist, and uh, I guess I I typically work with uh, individuals who are just trying to feel better, be healthier. Um, You know, I always say my ideal client is one that uh, wants to get down on the floor and play with the grandchildren. So that's that's really who I work with and who I who I uh, connect with the best. Um, My uh, my mindfulness practice actually started about eight years ago or so. Um, I really, uh, I started this whole adventure with, you know, my family were all raised, uh, Catholic and we were kind of wondering about other traditions and things like that. So, um, the whole idea of being disconnected and, uh, from the emotions and being able to control how you respond to situations was my first avenue, uh, into mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So I was able to do some reading and start to understand the basics of, um, of controlling myself in response to the stimulus. So, you know, uh, someone can say something really mean to me, but only I can control how I respond to that. And so that, you know, that gave me uh, a lot of power and a lot of, um, I guess, agency in my own life and how I kind of went about uh, interacting with people and situations. So that's, you know, the long and short of it as far as how I yeah. got started. That's cool. And I already, I can already see where there would be ties, um, especially for like uh, our weight loss community, um, triggers, <laughs> controlling your response to environmental triggers. Only you can control your own actions, being very aware. Uh, one thing we talked about before, I believe Jake was being able to distance yourself emotionally from data, like the scale, body mm-hmm. fat percentage, different things and realize that these are just, um, these are just markers that kind of lead their lighthouses along the way of your journey. And they're just kind of pointing the direction Mm -hmm. and helping you course correct. They're not judging who you are as a person as you go. Yeah. And so I I can see a lot of ties in with what Nate's talking about right there. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, before we get into some different types of, of, uh, mindfulness practice and kind of explore your experience with it. Cause I know Nate is actually, I guess he's my teacher with mindfulness <laughs> as well. Um, in a lot of ways. And it brought more awareness, uh, to that practice for myself. 
but do we want to go over really quick and hit hit on some uh, some benefits? Some of the benefits we mindfulness has been shown through you know, research. One thing you you mentioned was uh, you know being mindful and it, it allows you to have control over how you react and you respond to certain you know maybe uh, external sources or external stimuli. Um, how do you think? And I don't know. Maybe we're I'm I'm jumping ahead. Uh, how do you think that would help an individual with self-talk? You know? mm. uh, well, that's really tricky. Self-talk is actually something that you know I still struggle with after eight years of practicing it. Um, so it's, I, I guess, kind of it, it comes down to understanding what kind of what Matt was saying of, um, of I am not my thoughts. Mm-hmm. I am not my emotions. I am not this body that I'm in, you know, it's the, the I in Buddhism doesn't actually exist. Um, you know, that there is, they kind of teach that there is no constant stream of self that it's not, um, there's nothing, uh, in you now that was there when you were a child, you know, all your cells have died physically. And have been replaced. You're physically not the same person. And so it's understanding that all of these things that are happening don't have to affect you as a person because you're constantly changing, you're constantly evolving, you're constantly, um, you know, you're constantly learning. So if, you know, you have really negative self-talk and, you know, like I am the epitome of awful, you know, I'm... I'm fat, I'm lazy, you know, all of these really negative things. It's, you know, if you can look at yourself like, okay, well, I'm just kind of the sum of my parts at the moment. And some of my actions are, you know, tend to be on the lazy side. Okay, well, that's fine. But what is that doing? Why am I that? You know, why am I being this way? Why am I... um, you know, you can even say, why am I perceiving myself this way? You know, there's, there's an inherent judgment involved in that. And if we can take that judgment out of there, be like, okay, I'm overweight. That's a very different statement than I am fat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a lot of blame taken away. There's a lot of uh, name calling, a lot of self-loathing that's being taken away. Um, you know, and this is very cliche, but I can't think of anything that's more true. You know, we are our own harshest critics. You know, I the one thing that I've I've told people before, and I'll probably tell them again, is, you know, look at your negative self-talk. You know, look at it as if someone else was telling you those things, and telling you those things twenty-four-seven, like you cannot get away from them. What would you do to that person? I know me, like I tend to not be a very violent person. I would punch that person in the face. I would be so angry that I would like remove that person from my life, cut them away like a cancer. So why do we tolerate ourselves doing that? You know, it's completely irrational. So if we can kind of understand that we are harassing ourselves relentlessly, it's a lot easier to kind of approach stopping that negative self-talk. Yeah, I like that idea of kind of uh, almost personifying that negative self-talk and like, is this, is this, this, personification something that you want to represent you or that you would tolerate under any other circumstances. I think that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. 
And we know that, you know, uh, in sports psychology, self-talk and, and positive self-talk can be the difference between victory and defeat, uh, champions, um, and people that go home feeling like they could have done something more. And that doesn't mean that necessarily victory is, is everything, but just that um, you feel like you did your best, you know. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, you know, kind of how you said that this does have an application in sports. Um, but there's, there's sadly not a bunch of research out on, you know, mindfulness and kind of what that can do in sports. But there's a whole lot more information on what mindfulness can do in the medical realm. And one could extrapolate and kind of apply that to, that to sports as well. Like, um, I think it's the Journal for Psychosomatic Medicine. Um, they've, they've done a lot of meta-analyses and published these and found that uh, cortisol levels are uh, correlated with uh, mindfulness. So the more mindful you are, the less cortisol you have in your system. Um, so when getting involved with things like adrenal fatigue and you know, cortisol overload and things like that, that have a real negative effect on training stimulus and performance. Um, you know, you can really uh, improve, uh, you know, yourself and your performance that way. Why, why don't we talk a little bit? Can you touch in a little bit more detail? Uh, when you say cortisol, what do you mean? Um, I don't know if we've covered it on the podcast okay. before. Um, I talk about it a little bit on Free Fit Guy. If you go to the live section, it talks about stress and, and kind of... Uh, my four pillars of health are stress, sleep, stress management, I guess, sleep, uh, food, and exercise, mm -hmm. or movement. And um, stress is one of the, the huge ones of that, and, and cortisol is related to that. Do you want to touch on, touch on that a little bit more for us? Yeah. Um, so I always try to explain cortisol in the most simplistic way possible. Um, you know, it, and just kind of, I say cortisol is a, is a marker of stress. It's, um, it, can it can create stress and activation in the nervous system, which is really what it's for. Um, so back when we were evolving and you know, we were being chased by lions, cortisol was really important because you know, your, um, you know, your brain would signal for the, re for the release of cortisol, your nervous system would get activated, your sympathetic nervous system, you would have this huge, you would have this huge rush of adrenaline, and you would be able to sprint for your life. Um, and that, you know, that cortisol level would lower when you finally got away from the lion, um, and so you would kind of go back to homeostasis. This, or you were eaten by the lion. Or you were eaten yeah. by the lion. Either one. Um, <laughs> I wonder if you're tastier if you have more cortisol in your system or less. I wonder if the lion tries to draw it out. Because he knows he can be more stressed, and it's just even sweeter when he gets you finally. <laughs> that is an incredibly interesting question. I'm not. I don't know. That, that's something. Maybe you guys can have a zoologist on the show. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. We like to tenderize our meat. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's true. Oh man. Well. Um, all right. So I guess in general, that's the kind of the the sympathetic nervous system activation. Um, what's really important and where the damage comes from with cortisol is uh, we need the parasympathetic activation as well. So to come down and lower cortisol levels and kind of relax a little bit. So um, what a lot of mindfulness does is it 
tends to disengage the sympathetic nervous system. And so it can help uh, acutely uh, lower cortisol levels. So it can rem- help kind of shift you down. You know, so you're, you're in fourth gear, you're just hauling. And you, know, you can kind of downshift a little bit. You can kick into neutral and just kind of take away that activation. So what that will allow people to do is focus, um, have higher thinking because when you're in a, this huge cortisol kick, a lot of times your, um, your amygdala is taking over. Uh, lizard your, brain. Yeah, exactly. Your lizard <laughs> brain is taking over your prefrontal cortex and you like, physically cannot uh, think of complex issues from multiple different angles. It's, you know, the fight or flight, yeah. fight or flight, you know, higher brain like, function shuts down. Exactly. Basically what we're exactly. Yeah. So are, are, what I'm getting is that this is very effective for highly stressful situations when you need to calm down quickly. So if we're, if we're raging and it's just, all right, I need to, uh, I need to relax a, a being mindful uh, or practicing mindfulness would help us do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, this has been said a lot. Um, you know, when you're angry, don't talk. Take, you know, you know, count to ten, take three deep breaths. What that's doing is it's making you be mindful of the numbers and of the breathing. All of those things, those like, you know, first grade level kind of deal with stress techniques are actually perfect applications of mindfulness. I've heard that you sh- if you're really upset, you should force yourself to smile. Mm. And it, it literally will make you happier. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I've heard that too. I haven't seen any studies, but I, um, you know, I, I do think that there's, uh, you know, I've, I've heard this too, but there's a, a, a direct relationship between the muscles in our face and the nerves that it takes to activate those. And... Uh, the release of positive hormones. Yeah, I've heard the same thing with posture. There's like different powerful poses. Mm-hmm. If you're like in the fetal position, crying on the floor, you're more <laughs> you're more likely to stay in the fetal position, crying on the floor. Yeah. Whereas if you're and like standing tall, like you uh, like you just conquered the world, then you tend to feel like you just conquered the world. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty pretty awesome how how much posture can affect mood and, and everybody else's mood too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so one thing I wanted to touch on really quick that you you brought up, and we were, we're kind of talking about dealing with stressful situations. Um, I think it would uh, behoove us. Great word, right? Behoove. I was just gonna say uh, wonderful yeah. word. Man. Yeah, uh, behoove us. The only one I'm dropping today is my dictionary.com <laughs> word of the day. Um, Perfect. Yeah. To kind of touch on on stress as it affects the human animal, as it affects our biology. And why we want to kind of come down and, and my, the simplest way, like you said, I think simple is best. Simplest way that I usually describe this is that we have one giant bucket and we can only fill that bucket up with so much stress, right? With so much water. Um, and that stress can come from emotional stress, uh, relationship stress, financial stress, mm-hmm. stress from sitting in uh, traffic, stress from lack of sleep, stress from lack of proper nutrition, Stress from not enough exercise, stress from too much exercise. Um, so kind of like what we talked about last week with our supplements, everything kind of has a range 
of appropriateness, right? And, and too much or too little of anything can, can really be detrimental to our health. Um, and, you know, our stress response is blind. It, it, it doesn't know that you're just sitting in traffic or are you getting chased by lions. It's, mm -hmm. it's going to respond in a similar fashion. Uh, so stress is stress. So stress no is stress, at least, at least on, on a certain level, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of think of it as that big bucket of stress, and, and we're talking about calming down from, from very hostile situations or situations that kind of feel like they get away from us. But then I think we could also, uh, talking about the sympathetic parasympathetic system, which would be the fight or flight or the rest and digest, or like the common. Um, that's kind of what we try to do at the end of our workouts now. We, we have a little bit of a cool down time. We incorporate breathing, rolling, mm -hmm. some corrective exercises. And I think our goal is the same. Uh, and that's how it can apply to your training right now. Uh, we want to activate the parasympathetic system, the rest and digest, because once I have that stress, I want to come down and let the body's resources be used towards rebuilding and repairing um, my system after the workout, right? So I can see mindfulness maybe even playing there, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, um, I, I know for me that was uh, one, of the, one of the first places that I started really you know, uh, practicing mindfulness was in movement. Um, you know, I've been lifting for a really long time and I, you know, I played football for a really long time and I've, I've told people you know, before it's that, you know, football is, or was my first meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, I was on the football field. I put that helmet on those pads on the rest of my cares went away. It was all about football. Um, and I, there were times where I couldn't hear anything. It was, I was so focused on the ball and the snap count and the people and the formation and, you know, nothing else was there. And I was just completely in the moment. And, um, I know when I started reading and when I started getting into it and I started understanding a little more about, uh, performance and all that, it was, um, you know, I, I realized that was the first time I experienced deep meditation. I'm really glad you pointed that out because that's how I feel with my movement practice now with uh, MoveNet, which we still have to do an episode on. Mm -hmm. um, but for me, and, and this is something about mindfulness that I think is often misunderstood, is that mindfulness means I sit in the corner facing a blank wall on my bamboo mat and... Uh, if there's any distractions, it's the end of the world. My mindfulness is over. I can't possibly now relax. Angry. Now I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> we just got so that that's not mindfulness is much broader than that, right? And yeah. uh, I kind of call it uh, being in in the flow, like you're mm. just completely engaged. And it's when that moment when your internal awareness and your external awareness of of your environment around you just kind of meld, and everything just flows through you. You don't even have to think about it. It's almost automatic mm -hmm. and it can be extremely, extremely rewarding and uh, revitalizing. And I think that mindfulness aspect of the movement practice, how um, you can't just sit in a machine and pump out 20 reps and just focus on how your quads burn, right? Uh, but you're more totally engaged uh, with all these sensory details actually is, is part of it. And it's part of why I love doing what I do and why I continue to go back to it because it's so, um, energizing. It's wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
Um, Jake, do you have anything where you like feel like have you ever hit the flow or experienced the flow with anything, or like what what areas in your life do you kind of feel like you've you've touched on some aspect of mindfulness? Well, um, you know, when I when I practiced jujitsu, that was a lot of times it was kind of like it's kind of like chess, you know. So you re- you really get into it, and you're kind of you're really paying attention to your opponent, and then your body positioning, and and just getting things set up, and so. It kind of felt at, at ease doing that as it, it, like that was kind of my way of doing it. Um, I know I, I first kind of really started paying attention to like mindfulness and meditation, you know, back in middle school, you know, years and years ago. And I, I did the sit on my bed with my legs crossed and my my thumbs touching my my two middle fingers, right? Like kind of like the the quintessential. Um, person meditating yeah Yeah. and uh, it was it was really frustrating because other people in the house are making noise and um you know just like putting on my wave soundtrack where i could just hear the candles (laughs) (laughs) um but you but since then it's yeah you know those those activities that i can really kind of focus on um and, and get into going on going on hikes um Walking with the dogs, if they if they would actually listen and not pull in all the different directions, <laughs> it, it is pretty nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, just you know, going through those little activities. Yeah, so maybe maybe a cool thing to do now would just be let's start touching on kind of create a list for our listeners of uh, different ways to practice mindfulness and some activities, some some tangible things they can go and do right now to try to implement this in their routine. Um, I think we should start with Nate because <laughs> I think he's got the most to offer here, but, um, you want to, do you want to talk to them about kind of like the, the sitting meditation that we did together and, uh, kind of how you led that? Yeah. Um, one of the, one of the easiest ways to get going with meditation is doing something called a body scan. Um, so it's a lot of times someone is, you know, lying on the back on the ground, palms up, just kind of relaxing. And uh, they can listen to someone lead them through this and, you know, kind of guide their attention like from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. And, you know, just feel where they're touching the ground, feel how the their shirt feels against their belly button, which should be rising because they're breathing diaphragmatically. It's a whole different thing. Um, and you know how how the the tips of their fingers feel, how the tip of their nose feels with the air coming in and out of their nose. So it you can really get pretty detailed, and it can be a long process. It's really relaxing. Um, my favorite teacher uh, calls it uh, deep relaxation. So Thich Nhat Hanh, the the person who I've really kind of uh, followed and who I study calls it deep relaxation and I've I've done it in his monasteries before with the nuns taking everyone through and it's uh, a really wonderful way to uh, to relax. Do you have to be lying down to, to practice something like that or could you do it I mean what if you're at work and you're stuck at a desk all day mm-hmm. maybe your boss doesn't like the idea of you laying down on the job. <laughs> job. <laughs> um, your yeah. boss is a punk. Yeah. <laughs> So you just mentioned something. Do you need to be religious to do this? Is it like, and do any specific religions do it more so than others? Is it? Uh, Well, uh, mindfulness is just awareness. Um, So it's inherently secular. You don't have to be Buddhist 
to be mindful. You don't have to be, um, you know, religious to be mindful. You can be, you know, just not even touch that stuff and still, you know, reap a lot of the benefits of mindfulness. You know, you, you do not have to believe in anything. Um, all it is is just paying attention to where you physically are now. Um, you know, because like Matt said, um, in his movement, he's aware of his body moving now. And he's able to disengage from the stress that isn't in, you know, right now. So if he's thinking about, oh, you know, I, um, I should have done, you know, done the dishes before I left for work and thinking, oh, you know, it's, um, you know, something in the futures, you know, I forgot to write a program for someone or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. there's stress on both directions, but that's not affecting them now because he's moving. He's taking care of himself. He's uh, coaching someone and he needs to be there for that someone. So that helps him disengage from those uh, stresses that aren't right now. Um, Do you think that could become a problem if we continually disengage? And what would it lead to... Um, a lack of action on somebody's behalf if we just keep kind of saying, it's okay, it's not a big deal, it, it hasn't been done, but that's okay, I'm in the moment. Yeah, I, I, would, I would challenge that in saying that if you're, if you're taking good care of right now, mm. and you're really being mindful of what you need to be doing right now, mm. and how you should be engaging and being productive, and you know, all of those things, you will be mindful of the fact that you are putting something off, that mm -hmm. something has to be done now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, I would say if you're being unmindful, you're more likely to not take care of the things in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think that I, I can kind of imagine like the, the guy who doesn't take any responsibility for everything. It's like, come on, bro. Just live in the moment, man. I immediately think of a certain Yeah, Mark. I kind of, I guess that's kind of <laughs> what I was going for. Have you guys ever seen uh, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah. Paul Rudd's character just like can't, can't keep anything in his brain for like more than 10 seconds. He has the memory of a goldfish. That's not necessary. And, and actually, uh, to respond to that as well, Jake, I've noticed that the more focused I am on what I'm doing right now, the more productive I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to get very, very stressed out. I'd have 16 different things I knew I needed to do. I'd bounce around from one to the other. I'd never sit down and focus on the one, one thing and doing one thing well. And once I started doing that, I, my productivity actually went up and I had less stress. I felt like I was getting more done. So I think, I mean, yes, I think you could take it to the uh, negative extreme, but that's missing, kind of missing the point, I think is what mm -hmm. Nate's saying, right? Yeah. So we could do like a, a body scan, just pay really close attention to how we're sitting, how we're lying down, mm -hmm. uh, breathing, how the sensations that, are, that we're experiencing at any time. Um, do you want to talk about uh, the puppy analogy? Do you remember this? Uh, this helped me the first time we, we did this together. Yeah, um, it just again, kind of about how uh, dogs and puppies are so present uh, with you know where they are and they're so intent on learning about uh, their environment and they're just constantly here and so when uh, like it's really hard to discipline puppies because they're so here and now and adorable uh, and adorable <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know they can you know um, you know they can piddle on the floor 
and then walk away from it. And they're so focused on what they're learning now that you can't possibly discipline them for piddling on the floor. Yeah, because they don't understand that that's what they're being punished for. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, um, you know, one thing that you have to do is obviously catch them in the act, but then, you know, gently move them into a situation where you want them to be. So, um, you know, maybe not with, you know, house training a dog, but, you know, they'll they'll kind of wander and... So is it, is it kind of like uh, chewing on... If, you, if they're chewing on a shoe, you replace it with another toy that they should be chewing on? Uh, potentially. But, um, you know, but if you're trying to, like, teach them to sit mm-hmm. um, and they get really, you know, they get scatterbrained and wander off, you know, you're not going to yell at the puppy because it's doing what it naturally does. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's learning. And so um, what you do is you would take the puppy and you'd put it back down and you refocus it and you'd sit it down and then it, it inevitably will get get up and go do its thing and you have to pick it up and sit down and be gentle with it and be kind and be patient because it's a puppy doing the thing it's supposed to do now our brain is hardwired to be thinking constantly you know we have a, we just do not have discipline with our minds and so it's a lot like the puppy you know, our, as we're doing whatever of trying of whether it's washing our hands or whether it's sitting or whether it's doing a body scan of trying to be mindful, it's going to wander off. And that's okay. You just kind of have to be aware of, oh, I'm thinking about the Yankees. Why am I thinking about the Yankees? I want to be here right now and kind of direct your attention to here. And then when you find yourself thinking about how when you were three at the zoo, how the elephants were so cool, you have to kind of come back and like place your mind back in your body and that's okay and you'll probably do that endlessly um, but just that practice of coming back to that focus eventually you'll get better at it just like the puppy will get better at sitting so it's yeah. I, I think that's kind of it's in it sounds very similar to what you talked about earlier about being aware of your internal dialogue and not being necessarily self-critical if you I mean, the worst thing you could do is sit down to practice mindfulness and then stress yourself out even more because you feel like you're not doing it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that's, that's always something that I hear from people who we, we want. We're like, hey, it'd be really great for you to start a mindfulness practice to help reduce stress. And they're like, I'd never be able to do that or I'd never be good at it. Like, that's a common refrain. Like, I just can't sit still. And it's like, okay. We need to start with some baby steps, but this is th- that's okay. You're not going to be, you shouldn't be good at it right away. Just like none of us expect to be good at exercise the moment we step into the gym. Well, I think also in starting with a positive mindset instead of, I'm never going to be able to do this, you got to start with, well, I will be able to do this. I just maybe can't do it right now. Yeah. You know, if you go into it with that negative attitude, it's, it's difficult. So, Nate, if we had someone who can't say, came into the gym and they've got everything dialed in. But stress, they just have so much stress, it's almost overwhelming. Some days um, they're, they come into the gym just looking completely beaten down. Their sleep's starting to get dysregulated because they're so stressed at night, they can't shut down. Um, and we needed to get them on, we were like, man, some stress reduction, some mindfulness would really be good for this person. And uh, they give me, or you, that response. Uh, man, I, I just... I just don't think I'd be good at that, or I'm, I, I don't think I could sit still. What, where, where would you go with that? What would be your like first step for someone who has that issue? Well, it, 
I guess my initial question would sound a little bit like it's deflecting. Um, it would be, what do you really enjoy? What do you like really enjoy? Like you could, you would rather be doing that than anything else. You know, some people may hesitate to give me an answer, but eventually they'll get to something like, I love walking or I love walking on the beach or I love, um, walking in the forest or I love walking on the moon. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, uh, Buzz Aldrin was a client. No, (laughs) you land on the moon. Sorry, Buzz. No. I think it was Neil. Yeah, yeah. And Neil died. Um, but you know they'll they'll give me they'll give me something anything. So it's throwing a football with someone or along those lines. So I'll say, okay, what are you thinking about when you're doing that thing? When you're playing chess with your son, what you know? What are you thinking about? And inevitably they'll say, I'm thinking about playing chess with my son. It's like exactly. You're already good at mindfulness. Hmm. Trickeration. <laughs> so it's, it's just, it's kind of fostering that focus and fostering the idea of, oh, wait, I don't have to sit on a meditation cushion of, you know, I can wash my hands and smell the bubbles and feel the warm water on my hands. And that is a meditation practice. And that's good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, that, uh, yeah, you know, that's a, a big step. I like how you came at that actually, because it was our initial reaction all three of us, our initial reaction was like, oh, I find mindfulness doing this thing. It wasn't that we had all started doing meditation. It was football. It was uh, movnat. It was jujitsu. Like, that was the thing we instantly gravitated towards was that moment of complete focus. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. And then now trying to take that awareness and that intense focus and apply it to other places in your life. I think that's, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have, what about the, another objection we commonly hear for someone starting a mindfulness practice is, is I don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, though I think we could kind of take the same approach that, you know, it, it can happen at any moment. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting still, right? Yeah. That would be kind of the way you would go about that one too. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd share some about my personal practice. I mean, I, if I need to disengage for a little while, I'm stressed out, I'm kind of like, I'm scatterbrained and I, and I catch myself being scatterbrained and stressed out, I'll go and I'll use the bathroom. Even if I don't have to, I'll go and I'll use the bathroom and I'll, uh, you know, I'll wash my hands. And for me, that's a a nice ritual. So it's kind of like I was saying earlier, it's the warm water, it's the smell of the soap. It's a really pleasant experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I enjoy it while I'm doing it and the tactile nature of the whole experience kind of gets my mind off of the the stresses that are coming from my you know from my imagination do you think there's something to you just made me think but you know uh i've mentioned this before and i don't know if we've talked about this but kind of the idea behind the the naming of the podcast the human animal is that animals respond to their environments right and that dictates a lot of what they do um do you you feel like a lot of the tactile part of our human environment has kind of been washed away a little bit. I mean, we have so much sensory overload, but it feels like we don't have a lot of physical contact with, with ourselves or other people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's part of like a, a missing link that we can, that really is powerful, a powerful part of the, the mindfulness and the, that physicality that we actually like in the movement. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I think that, with you know modern technology we've 
strengthened a lot of muscles and led a lot of, you know, of our skills and muscles and the atrophy a lot. So, um, you know, our physical bodies have atrophied and, you know, we've got this huge uh, obesity epidemic and, you know, all these dietary diseases, uh, but we also have an epidemic of, um, of unmindfulness, of being uh, caught up in all of this stress that isn't physical stress. Um, and I think that's one thing that's been atrophied with technology is we've disengaged our mind from our body and that we look at these two things as, as separate entities. Um, and you know, Me- so- Meat bucket, brain. Exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so science is proving on a lot of different, um, on a lot of different areas and through different, um, you know, through different studies and it's, it's kind of coming into its own that, uh, the body and mind are connected in ways that we just can't even fathom yet. They, you know, they're so interdependent. Uh, Might that, as well be the same thing. Exactly. Just yeah. one of our our tenets: healthy body, healthy mind. They cannot be separated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, uh, something you had said, and I, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, I feel like today uh, most people become very distracted. They do a lot of things to distract themselves. So we would just really look at that and like that's the opposite of being mindful, right? Just constantly, you know, going from distraction to distraction. Mm-hmm. Facebook. I, bl- I blame Apple. <laughs> we should. I mean, like the iPhone, the iPod, the Touch, the little apps. What was their their marketing scheme was to fill in the five minutes when you're standing at the bus station and, you, and they want to dominate your attention for those little moments of time that normally we would shut down or interact with other people or just look around and be aware. And uh, now we're focused on our little computer screens. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. God forbid, make eye contact with someone. Ooh, Ooh man, that's awkward. Got, I can't I barely even look at you doing this podcast with three people <laughs> in the same room. It's terrible. It's Jake and I normally just like kind of cover our face in our hands and don't even really look at each other. It's like a shame thing. I don't even know what's going on. <laughs> but uh yeah so i think what we're what we're trying to say here is that for health and fitness stress is ultimately important and managing stress having having ways to manage the stress stress is going to be inherent in our modern culture and society all the time mm-hmm. and reconnecting with uh either something you love to do or just being really aware of of uh, at any moment in time and, and trying to cultivate that as best as you can with grace, give yourself a little bit of grace that it might not always be easy. It might not always happen right away, but that yeah. that's an important thing. And that can kind of, uh, bleed out into all other aspects of your life and, and really enrich your life. And I know that's what I found so far and I'm still novice and I'm still trying, but I feel like, um, Every time I have an experience like that, I feel so much more fulfilled than uh, when I beat Angry Birds Space. So maybe <laughs> it's more worthwhile. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I uh, guess kind of in... Oh, go ahead. I would say one thing we mentioned earlier was uh, mindfulness and, and kind of our, our uh, self-introspection, like how we want to... When we go to set goals, I know we, we're doing a, a team transformation challenge mm. amongst the forest coaches, um, and so I've noticed a number of people, myself included, where it was kind of hard to think about 
what kind of goal do I want to set for myself? Mm. And I think that that um, kind of being mindful would, you know, even more so would help me decide what kind of goal I was going to set. Yeah. I know we've had some experience that lately. If you guys want to kind of yeah, on that. I, yeah, that was that was something we wanted to touch on. I, I guess the the it was shocking to me when we started telling people, hey, we need you to set goals every month. You don't have to be big goals. It can be any goal you want. It can be literally anything, but we want you to have some accountability. And I think ultimately we were trying to drive some awareness of are people just going through the motions or do they have something they want to achieve and can they differentiate? Um, and we had some startling responses of people really being super uncomfortable with us promoting this. It wasn't like we're sharing it with everybody. Um, and my take on it, Nathan, was just that part of it is I think people are, it's uncomfortable to look at where you're at now. And if you see a disconnect between from where you're at now and where you want to be, there's internal inherent judgment there. Yeah. Um, and that can be very disconcerting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have a, another take on that. Yeah. It's, um, I, I guess it kind of comes down to that judgment thing of, you know, I, I am not where I want to be, but people don't necessarily, I mean, they, they place judgment on that rather than saying, okay, I want to be, uh, you know, at, I want to reach this goal, but why do I want to reach this goal? What is, what is different between me now and me at this goal? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times that will, they'll see, and some of those things are frivolous and some of those things are not, you know, um, some people just want to drop a body fat percentage or two so they can get a six pack, you know, which is perfectly fine. You know, as long as they understand that the reason why they want to get there is just sheer novelty and just kind of fun, a challenge rather than my identity, my value as a person is tied up in whether I have, you know, abdominal muscles that can be seen through my skin or not, you know, so that that's a big issue. Wait, that's not my value? Wait, and there was a guy on a show recently who pretty much his whole life was his six-pack. You guys remember that Jersey Shore guy? Um, The situation. Yeah. 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 Okay. See, for him, that was what he had going on. Well, that was maybe his (laughs) income, but I'm not sure that's uh, who he is as a person. Oh, he's awful. (laughs) <laughs> you know him personally don't judge I just saw him on uh, the roast of oh who did he roast I don't remember but it was awful okay. Okay. that was a great story it was embarrassing thank you thank you Jay you're welcome for your contribution <laughs> I'm here all week so I was I was gonna go someplace I felt like meaningful with that but now I don't remember anything glad I could crush that yeah and now I just have the situation in my head We've got a situation. Um, but I, I was gonna, uh, I was gonna say, I think you're onto something there with with the. Oh, here we go. It was Donald Trump. Okay, Donald Trump. <laughs> you're really helping me. I, my puppy has wandered. I'm trying to bring it back and make it sit so I can talk about this. Um, you know, one question uh, I have when a lot of people have goals or one thing I, I hope that they discover from themselves is, uh, are you happier? 
because I think that is the intrinsic motivation for a lot of the a lot of the fitness goals we see is that they assume people that have a certain look or they're as soon as they get a certain way, everything is going to start being okay. They're going to be happier. They're going to be a be- they're, they're going to feel like they're more successful. They're going to be a better person. Yeah. And I think our our kind of response to that globally is is that starts now, and the bigger part of that is not losing body weight but is getting your mind right right get your mind right and start working on some of these some of these issues and kind of parse through them yourself and it it can be tough i mean we've talked about it 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 is even for us like really analyze self self uh analysis and and kind of really understanding yourself is tough but i think it's one of the most rewarding things and i think that exercise and movement can be a venue to kind of explore that yeah um, which is really interesting and awesome yeah, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that, that, you know, it is, it is hard, it is scary. It's, um, you know, I've spent a fair amount of time in monasteries and doing sitting meditation. And, um, and this past time I was in the monastery, I, uh, after about five days of sitting meditation, uh, so this was not a retreat. It was just me sitting in a monastery and walking and being around the monks and nuns. It was really hard I kind of I was challenging some of those things you're saying of you know is what I'm doing now is the direction I'm going now making me happier and it kind of gets into some of those identity issues and it's tough Mm -hmm. it is really tough you know if you delve in it's very easy to get to this level but if you delve into mindfulness and your motivations and understanding kind of the nuts and bolts of how you function it gets to be very challenging very quickly. Um, and the first couple times people get to that point, uh, it's scary. That's when most people stop, is when they really start to be productive in their mindfulness. That's when people stop. And so I just, I would encourage, you know, especially young meditators, young mindfulness practitioners to just sit with that and be okay with not understanding and not being okay with it's kind of funny being okay with not being okay um but understanding that you don't have to know everything right now and that it's okay if it's scary mm-hmm. um because that that will happen so basically you're saying we should train our brain be comfortable with discomfort and basically i want my mind to have a six-pack exactly as long as i'm not focused on the bodily six-pack and i'm focused on the brain six-pack <laughs> I'm sure that's it. Yeah. Then that's it. That has to be it. All right. Awesome. Uh, we're running out of time. I feel like we could talk about this for another hour, honestly, uh, going into more ways to put this stuff into practice every day. But I think a quick recap for people, just uh, mindfulness is a journey. It's an important one. I think we should all, uh, all undertake. It can help you deal with stress, identity, all these other things, your motivations, Um, It can happen at any time. There is no wrong way to do it. Try to put it into place. See what happens. Learn from your mistakes. Don't, don't, uh, don't judge yourself too harshly. Absolutely. Basically it. Yeah. Most importantly, don't judge yourself. Most importantly, don't judge yourself. So. I judge myself positively every day. You judge yourself positively. (laughs) Oh, I'm awesome today. I'm even better today than I was yesterday. How is this possible? Uh, welcome to my life. Oh my! I think it's probably the red line, dude. Oh, I've been off the stuff. I've been, You've been off. off the stuff. It's been a solid.
five days. Oh, my God. It's a so new I'm, record. I'm just you. now coming down, so. All right. It's well, a red line uh, right there. We hope you enjoyed this uh, episode. If you'd like to get Nate back on again, shoot us a line. I'm sure we will have him back on, and we'll talk all things uh, health and fitness. And we've really enjoyed uh, this episode, Nate. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And we will see you all next week. See ya.